0: Well, hello watch fam. Welcome to my last watch. I'm Gun
1: and I'm Kaylee. In this show, I've challenged Gun to trade up a $100 watch into a dream watch, which in this case is a Nomos Campus for Guns dad. I did want to provide a brief update on the challenge. Our intention with this podcast is still to trade up a $100 watch until we reach this dream watch, a Nomos Campus. Correct. It is episode 16, though, (laughs) and we have not sold the first watch, but I do want to reassure people that it it is still part of the podcast.
0: This is true.
1: I I did tell Gunn early on that I didn't want him to regret selling his watch, so we haven't really been in a rush, and we just want to make sure that we're selling it at a price point where Gunn feels okay losing this watch as part of his collection.
0: This is also true. But yes, it is going to happen. So we'll see how it goes.
1: On today's show, we're talking luxury and non-luxury smartwatches. But before we go into that, I did want to follow up on a couple of topics from our previous episodes. The first one being Gun. Last week, you went on your second watch meetup.
0: How did that go? It was very different from my first watch meetup where... The first one was more of a traditional watch meetup, and this one was actually hosted by a watch company. They hosted us for water activities. It was kayaks, paddleboarding, and they kind of introduced us to their dive watches. I
1: think you had mentioned this was Vera Watches, which is based in Portland. Yes. Am I remembering that correctly? They're
0: based out of Portland, Oregon.
1: And they actually brought most of their lineup, right?
0: I think they actually brought their entire lineup. So oh, we got okay. to see all their watches. Very different from what I would normally collect.
1: Is there anything in particular that made it stand out?
0: Yes. So actually, their open water lineup is their divers, and they had a few different colors, but the one that stood out the most was their Ridge Trail watch, which was a minty green dial. It's based off of the St. John's Bridge, which is in Portland, Oregon. So they got the color inspiration from that bridge. Beyond
1: seeing the Vero watches, it sounds like people also still brought pieces of their
0: collection to show as well. They did. Uh, there's a few watches that really stand out. The first one is the one that I've been talking to you about the most. It's the Ming collaboration between Ming and Massena Lab. It was the Honeycomb Dial watch. And I believe he had received the watch like two or three days prior to our meetup. And so I was very surprised that he brought this out, but it was super cool to experience in person. As you know, uh, after my first watch meetup, I've become a super fanboy of the Ming brand. Mm -hmm. And to see this in person, (laughs) it was quite the stunning dial. Like just on Instagram, I knew it was beautiful, but a lot of watches look beautiful on the gram. But once you see it in person, it's not the same. But like the Ming, I think it actually looks more beautiful in person because the one I saw or both of the Ming's that I've seen. Like I've been blown away.
1: Are you like online dating these watches? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Didn't look that good online, or no? No, online <laughs> looked really good, but in person even better. Actually, yeah. that's the reverse. Yeah, of, it should be the reverse. Yeah, dating. the okay. Instagram
0: filter effect. But no, these watch the Pornology. memes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how that effect works in horology.
1: Yeah, even I have to admit that it did look pretty sharp.
0: It's very avant garde, and they're dial is very unique it's just unlike anything else
1: that's the exact same verbiage that you use to describe
0: the first ming. the first
1: Ming. <laughs> i remember you're really pushing that avant-garde so avant-garde it is like, okay okay i get your point
0: <laughs> but it is very uh futuristic
1: this is the same guy who brought his ming to the first correct so he's, he has two Ming. he's a main now.
0: connoisseur yeah
1: and these Ming watches are just as rare as the Chrono Tokyo ones, or what? What's the? I would
0: say so. Chronic. If not, even more rare than Chrono Tokyo, uh, especially with this release, they made a two hundred total, but fifty oh, were. So they have two color variants. One was black or the gray, mm-hmm. the one that I got to try on, and then they also have they have a honey dial, and they made fifty of those.
1: This could be a watch that no one else in the states has. Hypothetically,
0: I mean, yeah, only a few people have, mm-hmm. and it was only like three days fresh.
1: And for these watches, they don't do like a second production of no. the same design.
0: I hope so. I really hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Mm. And so for the second one, they had a glitch in the payment system, similar to what happened to Chrono Tokyo Mori. Because of that glitch, they turned it into a lottery system where you just got to apply online, and then they chose from the pool. And so I thought about doing that, but I knew that that would bring so much unnecessary drama into our lives. So I decided not to. I hope you appreciate my efforts.
1: But this was like right after you put in your order for your chronograph. This is true. For the chrono, is it also like only 200?
0: The Mori as well? was 228. And then my chronograph two, there's 500 for the chronograph two. So the badge is, yeah, a few hundred. Yeah, that's
1: pretty small. So like in my defense, when you first told me, oh, I'm going to try to get this watch, I didn't think you had a shot at getting it. So that wasn't something that I was really concerned about.
0: The watch gods were on my side. They shined upon me and there was the glitch in the payment system and it was open to all, free to all. (laughs) (laughs) So that is why the Mori will forever be uh, my lucky watch. (laughs)
1: i'm glad you had a good watch meetup and thank you for not buying another watch
0: (laughs) you're welcome cfo (laughs) Uh,
1: the other thing that we wanted to follow up on was the olympics it actually just ended yesterday we're recording on monday
0: kaylee what were your thoughts on the olympics
1: um it was about as exciting as i expected which is not very exciting to clarify. It wasn't because of the athletes or because of Japan or COVID necessarily. Um, if anything, I commend everyone who took part because they had to overcome a lot of adversity to do this. The main problem is is nowadays the internet just ruins the Olympics.
0: This is true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah no. Because like, okay, back in the day when I was a kid, <laughs> I would always watch the primetime Olympic coverage on NBC. Even though the games were filmed 10 hours in advance, I didn't know the outcome. Mm -hmm. So I watched five hours of like random sports in order to watch 30 minutes of gymnastics. And I was okay with that because the whole time I was wondering what was going to happen next. Was, you know, Russia going to edge out the US?
0: The suspense was there. Yeah, the suspense
1: is there. Nowadays, it's very hard to even try to avoid knowing the outcome of the games. Mm -hmm. If I open Twitter, it's like the first thing that's trending, (laughs) who got a gold medal. So when you already know the outcome of what's going to happen, it's just not that much fun to watch.
0: No, it's like drinking uncarbonated soda. It's kind of flat soda, (laughs) you know, When you already know the result. No, (laughs) it's not a good analogy. I uh, (laughs) I don't
1: know if I'm seeing the connection there. So this was like a tap water's game instead of Le Crow? Is that what you're getting at?
0: No, it's just like when you think you're drinking a Coke, but it's just flat Coke. Because <laughs> you know the results, so it's just there. The impact is just not there. Okay.
1: Um. <laughs> so yeah, the the excitement just wasn't there. And I think, honestly, that this is going to be a problem until I'm watching the Olympics that's in the same time zone as me, Mm -hmm. which I think won't be until 2028 when LA hosts the Olympics.
0: I had the same thing happen while I was in Korea watching, trying to watch the Seahawks play because of the Mm -hmm. time difference. Yeah. It would be like a Monday morning at like 4 a.m. And I'd wake up to watch the game, but I already know the results. So it wasn't really as exciting, especially I wouldn't watch if I knew the Seahawks lost. Oh, yeah. It was pretty dreadful. I wouldn't watch a game that we lost, but even when we won, knowing that we won, it kind of ruined the suspense for me.
1: I definitely understand that. And even though I knew the outcome of pretty much everything that I watched, there were still some exciting moments. The men's basketball final game was actually live, so I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Okay. And we just barely beat France. So I think someone, my O Team USA, I think Haley Specifically was... Specifically Kevin Durant, I think Haley was bouting
0: Katie and Dame uh, and
1: Pop. <laughs> no doubts. No doubts. <laughs> I knew Kendall Jenner's boyfriend was going to bring home that gold medal.
0: Who's Kendall Jenner's boyfriend? Isn't that Booker? Yeah. Was, was he on the team? Yeah, he was on the oh, team. He was on the team.
1: <laughs> Anyways, I think you owe them a, an apology.
0: Well, I didn't really doubt them, though. That's the thing. <sighs> I knew that we'd be able to pull this off without LeBron. but good job, Katie.
1: Every Olympics, I'm reminded of how untalented I am because there's some 13-year-old who ends up winning a gold for their country. That's what happened with Japan. Two female skateboarders meddled. I think I'm just so... US-centric sometimes when it comes to sports. Like, I for some reason, I just yeah. assume we're the best at everything. Like skateboarding, I was like, oh, of course we're going to do really well at skateboarding. And an I don't even sport, know right? if we, I think, yeah, I, th- I would think so. Tony Hawk? Tony did and he invent
0: skating? I, I thought Tony t- Hawk. <laughs> I don't know skateboarding.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's. What I mean, I know I used to shop at like Paxson and Zoomies, but I don't know the deep history of skateboarding. Nevertheless, I would have expected a stronger performance from the U.S. At the end of the day, though, this was a successful Olympics. The U.S. still came out on top with 39 gold medals, one more than China, and 113 medals total. So we got the most medals out of all the countries.
0: All right, where do you go, Team USA?
1: USA. USA. Okay, shout out to Korea. I don't nah. know how, how y'all did, but <laughs> shout out to Korea. As far as I know, there were no hookups with Omega keeping time. And that brings us to the topic of today's episode, which is luxury and not luxury smartwatches. How did you like
0: that transition? Oh, that was pretty smooth. Gold medal? Hands down. 10 out of 10. Oh, thank you. Would recommend. Oh, thanks.
1: (laughs) In the article that I read about Omega timekeeping for the Olympics, it mentioned that they made a conscious decision to not produce smartwatches. And that was the first time that I realized that luxury watch brands were even making smartwatches. I don't know. Was that on your radar before?
0: It was, but I wanted to erase it from my radar. I was ashamed for the watch industry for getting involved. With luxury smartwatches. Well,
1: my relationship with smartwatches Mm -hmm. is very brief. I don't even know if I have a relationship with a smartwatch or if this is a relationship with a fitness tracker, but what I'm referring to is my Fitbit.
0: Kelly is a Fitbit enthusiast.
1: I am. Because it just, it forces me to get outdoors. Mm -hmm. I know we've discussed this in a previous episode. It works for you. There's been times when I've left the house and I've forgotten and I've been like halfway to my destination, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I don't have my Fitbit. So I have to turn around and get it, (laughs) because I do need to get credit for every step that I take.
0: So for you, it's more about getting credit. I mean, that's that's a big incentive. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I want to make
1: sure that I get credit, because what if that day I didn't hit my 7,000 step count? I would have been really disappointed.
0: But you know you actually did hit it. Because you... but I
1: want to hit it on paper it's very important <laughs> that I open the app and,
0: and I get right, credit well, I for
1: reaching my goals that way okay week. all right beyond using the Fitbit for keeping track of steps early on I also used it to see how my sleep was. I'm the type of person that cannot fall asleep easily
0: mm-hmm.
1: after papamelly, which is not a hard drug I'm just talking about melatonin. <laughs> I cannot fall asleep very easily. I feel like my mind is always racing. On the total flip side, Gunn can probably fall asleep within five minutes. There have been times when I've been talking to Gunn and he falls asleep on me.
0: This is true. But both of us know that the Fitbit doesn't accurately detect <sighs> the level of REM sleep that you get throughout the night. I don't
1: know if that's a, a both of us thing or just a you thing.
0: No, I'm pretty sure it's not an accurate device, so I'm kind of second-guessing how accurately it's tracking your steps.
1: Okay, don't even plant that seed. <laughs> to provide some context here, <laughs> early on when I got the Fitbit, I decided to let Gunn wear the Fitbit for a night because we wanted to see how good his sleep rating was.
0: It takes me five minutes max to pass out in bed.
1: Turns out, though, Gunn is just a fair sleeper. I am not it. a
0: fair sleeper. Uh, that's what that's the
1: Fitbit says, though.
0: That's how I know your Fitbit isn't an accurate sleepkeeper. Because normally, I pass out within the first five minutes and don't wake up until my alarm is ringing. And, and I don't wake happened. up once mm-hmm. during the night. So I don't know I'm a fair sleeper when I'm getting quality sleep throughout the night.
1: I can attest that Gunn was very stressed about this. And we decided to end the experiment after that night. No more wearing my Fitbit. The today. only
0: time I've ever lost sleep or ne- I've never been able to sleep was probably the night afterwards where I knew I wasn't getting good sleep and I was all paranoid and I couldn't get sleep. I, I couldn't fall asleep that night. So I blame the Fitbit for me losing sleep. That is one gun.
1: reason why Gun cannot own a smartwatch. <laughs> my Fitbit can probably do a lot more than what I'm using it for, but I'm happy with it just keeping track of my steps. I got it for about, um, I want to say $150 on sale at Costco, and some of the luxury smart watches I researched were upwards of $2,000, such as the Tag Heuer Connect. That watch came out in 2015, 45 millimeter watch. Nowadays, it runs for anywhere between $1,800 to $2,500, and it represents about 5% of annual sales by volume.
0: That's really surprising that it equates, 5% yeah.
1: is still... Sm- like it's not is insignificant, but... Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Tag's a pretty big brand. And that the luxury smartwatch line actually makes 5% of the sales. That's actually a lot more than I was expecting.
1: I'm not quite sure how I feel about luxury smartwatches. Initially, I thought, okay, maybe this is a good business move. Because there's some people out there who are... Obsessed with keeping track of their steps. They want a smartwatch, but maybe they don't also want to be wearing another watch at the same time. So I was thinking, okay, maybe this could appease those folks. But if you think about it more, I'm just trying to figure out who the target audience is. Because if you're someone who's really into technology, who are you going to trust to make a smartwatch? Are you going to trust Apple and Samsung or Tag? and Tissot. Am I pronouncing that right? Tissot. Tissot? Yeah. Okay. So there's that angle. And then the other angle is if you're a big watch fan, aesthetically, is this really a watch that you're going to go for?
0: Definitely not. As a watch collector, I really can't see myself. I really can't speak for everyone. It's to each his own and everyone has their own taste. But I just can't justify a luxury smartwatch because it's on par with how much just the analog watch would cost, but then the shelf life of these luxury smartwatches are a few years, so I just can't justify that purchase. I feel like there's other ways to use that funds.
1: When I was initially doing research on the Tag Heuer Connect, mm-hmm. um, I was trying to figure out like, does this watch functionally offer something that a different smartwatch wouldn't? From what I can tell, it will critique your golf swing. But I feel like Apple probably has an app for that. So there wasn't really anything that stood out technologically speaking. For
0: for me, it's kind of appalling that even these Swiss watch manufacturers would even challenge Apple or Samsung when it comes to the smartwatch just because when it comes to user interface, there's no one better than Apple. And I think a lot of people that use smartwatches, it's for that convenience factor of being able to have the apps on your wrist.
1: From a business perspective, though, I do understand at least trying to make this move, because you just have to innovate or else you could become irrelevant.
0: I guess it is... The same in that it's a wristwear, but I think that's as far as it goes. I don't think it's invading in the lane of analog timepieces, if that makes sense, because I think it's different purposes.
1: I mean, I think it is different purposes, but how often do you see people wearing a smartwatch and a regular watch?
0: I don't. I see. I don't see that too often. Right. But I think there's a lot of watch collectors that have an Apple Watch in their collection, and they mm-hmm. wear for certain occasions like i could see myself owning an apple watch one day just to keep track of my fitness mm-hmm. and i just wear it when i'm working out or going for a run and different occasions like i just throw it into my rotation like i'd have other watches but
1: then there's someone like me who i want credit all the time that i'm <laughs> taking steps and working out so yeah probably so i have not to gonna... wear it 24 7 mm-hmm. so i mean i i do see it as being in competition because you only have a limited amount of wrist space i don't know if it's going to be a successful endeavor, but I think as a company, you do need to think forward and innovate. Otherwise you risk becoming like a Nokia or Kodak, two companies that were very slow to go Mm -hmm. digital or go into smartphones or go into digital cameras. I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. Just planting that seed. I'm playing devil's advocate here.
0: Yeah. I see it on the other End of the spectrum. Yeah, it's just I'm worried for these companies to kind of compete with Apple and Samsung. It's not their lane. I think they should just leave it be with Samsung and Apple. But I could see like watch companies or watch makers collaborating with Apple or Samsung Mm -hmm. to come up with like a smartwatch. And I think that actually makes a lot more sense because I know Apple, they had an Apple Watch collaboration with Hermes. So I thought that was pretty unique that you have a luxury brand that competes and makes like the wristbands or, you know, the accessories. Uh, or even the design with the uh, Apple Watch. But I wonder, like with Apple, how much of that they would be willing to sacrifice when it comes to design.
1: I agree that that relationship makes a lot more sense. you mm-hmm. because... give the user
0: interface to Apple yeah. and then you do the watch design.
1: Yeah, let, let the experts continue to do <laughs> what they do best. I think Apple Watches still look very sleek. Mm-hmm. And they then design it. like the, the bands and whatnot. You know, at the same time, how much is someone willing to pay for a band versus an actual watch it's going to be less Mm. but i just feel like that makes more sense aesthetically
0: i do think a watch company needs to collaborate with samsung with their smartwatch because apple i agree with you their design is pretty i mean it's quite sleek and you can wear that in any occasion and it looks the part Samsung smartwatches, I think they're kind of stuck in like no man's land where they kind of want to look like a watch, but it's a smartwatch and it's just kind of, I don't know, slightly odd. And I feel like they could actually partner with one of the watchmakers and actually come up with a really innovative design.
1: Yeah, because I could see them designing the digital dial. Yeah. Because when we're looking at that Tag Connect, from a distance, you actually might not be able to tell that it's a digital watch because yeah. they do mm-hmm. try to have it, the screen mimic an actual watch. So I could potentially see that happening, that so, sort of collab. Yeah.
0: So I have a few brands in mind for Samsung for collaborations if they're interested. But I think they would go really well with like a uh, collabing with a brand like Panerai. Do you even like Panerai? I didn't know you like
1: Panerai. <laughs> These are like two brands I didn't even know you liked. All of a sudden, no, you I'm like just Panerai saying they go Samsung? well
0: hand in hand with each other. That's what okay. I'm saying. If, they, if Samsung a, had to come up with a collaboration, I think Panerai would be the brand. Is there yeah? a reason that you think that? Or Samsung phones are known to explode, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Panerai is like a military, like sturdy, robust brand. Panerai's like Italian seal is the origin of Panerai, I believe.
1: <laughs> Just want to be on the record with saying I've had a Samsung for about two
0: years, no explosion yet. Yes, and I'm totally joking about the explosions, but I think the brand goes pretty hand in hand with Panerai because it's like sturdy and robust. So I thought that'd be a good pairing.
1: To sum things up here, I understand why companies would want to pursue doing a luxury smartwatch. But I'm just really confused about who is ultimately the target audience here. The luxury smartwatches just seem like a really weird flex to me. So I think it will be interesting to see five, 10 years down the line if there are still companies that are pursuing
0: this. For me personally, why I'm so opposed to luxury smartwatches, the reason why I collect watches are because they're instruments that withstand the test of time and they're heirlooms that I can hand down to future generations. But with luxury smartwatches, the shelf life is only a few years, maybe 10 years at most. So it's not something that has that sentimental value to it. And I think that's what makes watches special to me. Smartwatches, luxury smartwatches are $2,000 or however much they are. You could really spend those funds towards an actual analog watch. And so that's why I'm opposed to it, but to each his own. If you want to spend, you know, however much you want to on a smartwatch, more power to you. And I'm sure like those people, they have different purposes for it. For me, it's just kind of hard to understand or grasp.
1: All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for episode 16. Thanks for tuning in.
0: And we hope to see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.
1: If you're enjoying my last watch so far, please give us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It really goes a long way to help get the word out on the show. Thanks so much.